Happy Sunday, Tampa Bay. We're with you for another week here to talk about the Tampa Bay real estate market here on the Duncan Duo Show. Like we are every Sunday, I'm joined by Mike Corrigan with Cross Country Mortgage, Andrew Duncan here. And you know what? The topic of conversation for the first part of today's show is going to be our Stanley Cup champion again. Back to back. Back to back. As the official real estate agents of the Tampa Bay Lightning, it's just been a cool, just a cool experience to be part of everything that's going on. Excited for the parade. Uh, was was in the arena to watch the uh, the finale um, and just what a you know gritty performance um, you know Vassy uh, you know just just dominant uh, all series all playoffs the guy was just a stud yeah he he is he is just the best in the world I think that's uh, undisputable now best goalie in the world and and what an electric environment and. Uh, you know, continues the the theme of Champa Bay, and uh, you know it's it's been five months since we've won a championship. So, so it's, yeah, <laughs> you know it's it's uh, you know it's it's only been five months. You know we got to keep doing it. You know, and so we're actually working on a new billboard campaign um, where I'm going to be in uh, in in some kind of lightning themed billboards, and we've done them before. Um, but, but, um, the home selling champions we've done and your home sold fast as lightning we've done, but the one that I think I'm going to do next, um, did you, did you get a chance to see Cooch's, uh, post I did see game that. press oh, conference? Yeah. So basically <laughs> I'm just going to ear, I'm going to mirror my inner Cooch and, and, and do the, do the Cooch post game. Uh, you know, for, for those of you who don't know who we're talking about, uh, Nikita Kucherov, the lightning's uh, leading scorer, uh, best offensive player. Um, he had a post-game uh, press conference that was epic. If you haven't seen it, I know that it is on the WFLA and WDAE uh, social channels, um, but but it was about a six-minute sloshed rant about everything that you know all i mean it was it was hilarious about how vast he didn't get this and didn't get that and he was blitzed and just yes. shirtless it was like the typical florida man yes. there's going to be so many memes from that press conference yeah shirt off drinking a bud light enjoying his uh championship and that's just, that's that's what my that's what my back. next that's what i'm going with my next <laughs> billboard man i'm just gonna i'm gonna channel awesome. my inner nikita kucherov and i'm gonna throw myself up there shirtless <laughs> Um, and, and gonna just rock and roll with, um, you know, support for the Tampa Bay lightning, but, uh, but super excited about, uh, the energy around the city, um, the commerce that will come to the city, the spotlight that it brings for us, um, that, you know, all of the, uh, economic benefits and, and truthfully, a lot of those economic ben- benefits trickle. Um, you know, people will say, oh, well, the season's over, but now people will be buying more shirts, more hats. They'll be excited for next year. There'll be more people that will want to live in downtown Tampa in the Water Street District. There'll, yes. there'll be more people that want to live here because we just keep having championship teams. We've got to change, you know, back to back. You know, I think it's four, four times in 30 years it's happened, you know. So um, I don't think anyone's three-peated or did they? There, there might be, there might have been one. Three-peats are super rare. So they got a chance to do something crazy. We got Tom Brady still in in a Bucks uniform. Um, I was actually at the game sitting right behind Booger McFarland. Okay. Uh, you know, from, you know, he's an NFL analyst, ex-Bucks, you know, Bucks champion, but literally sat right behind his family. Um, during the game and and there were a massive amount of celebrities athletes in the house at Amelie Arena last night I, I spotted just in the section that I was sitting in um, you know a slew of P, P, you know, uh, ex athletes, current athletes, celebrities, and so uh, so it was just it was a cool thing to see you know not just um, you know the the season ticket holders but all of the 
VIPs, so to speak, in Tampa come out to watch the game in person and, and frankly, um, was surprised because a lot of times you see some of the ex-athletes and, and players, they, they go in the suites and, and you right. know, so I, it was kind of cool for me to see people like that just sitting next to, next to everyone else, you as know, hanging fan, out, yeah. high-fiving as a fan, you know, and uh, that's the support the team's gotten and, um, you know, so it was, it was really neat to kind of see that um, kind of surround me while I was watching the game. Yeah, so. absolutely. I ran into the Marlins man. If, if you don't know who yeah, that is, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. The Marlins man wears his bright orange uh, Marlins jersey yep. and visor, and uh, took a picture with him. And so you know when he shows up to the sporting event, it's a big game. Yeah, of course. He gets it all. You know, finds himself behind the behind the glass or behind the the, the nets for all the big games. So and I, and I think the you know the the other part of the you know the kind of the economic trickle effect. Of, of the winning sports teams. We obviously talked about merchandise. We talked a little bit about uh, about real estate, but uh, job creation as well. You know, right. you know, a team starts doing well, that means they're going to have more advertisers. They have more advertisers, that means they got to have more advertising reps. they got to have more people producing the advertising content. They've got to have more people manning the restaurants because there's more people there. And and so, you know, it, it was, it was uh, you know, this season was a unique one in that, you know, we transitioned slowly but surely towards kind of having a full house at the end of the season. Um, um, and and so it'll it'll really position, um, I think, Emily Arena for next year. Um, you know, with with a huge surge of people wanting to be season ticket holders and, and support the team, um, especially knowing that so many people weren't able to experience it. Um, and the other thing that that I was just you know in awe of, um, you know, I've had you know my tickets are in, in one fifteen, so I've got you know good seats, kind of center ice, and um, the prices. Uh, and and not that I ever would have. In fact, I'm forbidden from doing it as a partner. I can't sell my tickets. Of course. Um, but would have sold for three or four thousand dollars. And to me, that was just uh, eye opening. But it also showed you how much support this team had because you know the supply and demand curve. You yeah. know, I mean, just like the real estate, real estate was... values go up. The demand is up. People want to support it. So what happens? Ticket prices go up. You know, and and so um, you know, it's I think that um, you know just seeing that kind of energy around it, Super Bowl esque ticket prices. Yeah, and I think one of the great things the Lightning did this year and they've done it in the past, but is having the watch party in Thunder Alley, you know, having the watch party when they were away still at Amelie Arena. It, it brings so many more people downtown um in, into the area and again, contributes to the economic factors of that, but it allows for a bigger audience other than just going inside the stadium right. to enjoying the game and the excitement and yeah. so there is a buzz, I mean just, you know, within all around the stadium and all around it, you know, it's just really neat to see and it's you know it's exciting yeah and i think the 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 energy you know around this team in terms of how they play they're gritty they're fast they i mean they really do kind of have it all um and and so it it literally does remind me i talked about this on social media this week um yanny gord's one of my favorite players i think yanny gord kind of almost like to me almost symbolizes tampa in a way because he's gritty He's not the most, um, you know, he's not the fastest. He's not the slowest. He's, you know, a lot of times he kind of gets overlooked, but he's one of the best players on the ice and he's unafraid to fight the big guy. He's unafraid to go up against the, you know, I mean, you look at us winning championships against these large market teams that have bigger budgets and larger right. salaries. And, you know, it, it really, do, it does kind of identify a lot with our area when you, when you kind of look at some of the players on the team and kind of how they symbolize, you know, a lot of what Tampa stands for. So it just kind of put a big um you know a, a big target on Tampa now with all these sports championships and uh, obviously I'm I'm confident they're going to keep 
They're going to keep winning for a long time to come. So, well, anyway, we've been talking about hockey. Oh, you know, look, we're keeping it on brand because we're the official real estate agents yes. of Lightning. You know, we've had a, a great relationship with them, working with the team, you know, doing some advertising stuff. Um, you know, we've got some of the executives we're working with now for different real estate needs. So it, so it, it is kind of intertwined with our real estate business, but, but nonetheless, um, just a, a humongous thing for um, Tampa. So kind of transitioning to, um, you know, real estate a little bit. Um, millennials, Mike, I, I think I'm out of the millennial bracket. I, I am too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I wear that with a badge of honor that <laughs> right. proudly I'm out of the millennial bracket, but, um, but no, it, it, a lot of millennials are struggling to find starter homes right now. It seems like there's this huge push for millennials for the longest time. We spent a couple of years talking on the show about how millennials aren't buying houses. Right. Sitting in their parents' basement. Yeah. And yeah I remember talking all about and, that. And now, uh, COVID you know what? Look, it kept you really close to the parents in the basement, and they said, "Forget this. I'm buying a house." Right. And it, and and I think that builders didn't produce as many starter homes because they thought they could make more money on the mid level and upper level homes. So that's where they focused. And there's just this gap where there's fewer starter homes available, more people for them, and finally, the millennials are this huge home buying audience, and a lot of them are just skipping the starter home and going right to the right to the upgraded home for a lot of reasons. But one reason is because there's an inventory. Right. It, yeah. And it keeps doing there. They, they are moving out and, you know, they've gotten older. Right. So they're getting, you know, that age where they're, they're beginning to buy. And, you know, there's so much demand. And I mean, look, if you're a builder, I mean, it just makes you know sense. If you can only build, you know, a, a certain amount of houses, you probably are going to build one at a higher price point, even though we really have more demand at the lower price point. But it's, it's the margins. Right. It's just it's just the margins. And so in a way, you can't blame them. But um you know, I, there isn't a lot of it that's out there, and you're right. It's it, it's interesting to see the dynamic of a first-time home buyer now buying a you know three hundred thousand dollar house when that was always you know the second or third up usually in, in somebody's life is now they're going into much higher price points. Yeah, the the other thing that I think is relevant, um, you know, from the you know the starter home shortage, um, I also think it's propelled by. Um, you know, obviously there's huge demand, but I think another reason why millennials are skipping the starter home is because they have been in their parents. They want more space. Right. Not only have they been in their parents' basement, and I joke, not necessarily in their parents' basement because we don't have in them basements here. basements in Florida, You know, right. but 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 in, their, in an extra room or, you know, maybe they lived in a smaller place or an apartment or whatever it is. The, the reality is, is that um, they've been in smaller spaces and now they're just, they don't want to go through another lockdown quarantine thing and be in a smaller space. So, so they're skipping, you know, the, the, the starter house and jumping up. And and so there's a shortage issue. There's a psychological issue, um, you know, and, and then of course there's, you know, builders that are saying, you know what, we, we're going to make more money on these bigger homes. And if we're going to spend the money to build, why not build homes, especially when the demand is as strong as it is in higher price points right now, why not build to that audience? So, um, I think that, um, you know, it, it, there's going to be an obstacle with that starter home market for, you know, for quite a while. So when you aren't listening to us on air, make sure to follow us on all of our socials at the Duncan duo, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, basically anywhere there is a social channel. We are on it at the Duncan duo. Um, if you're not following us, go follow us right now. Here's the thing cool that we're doing right now to celebrate uh, the Tampa Bay lightning uh, winning the Stanley cup. We're giving away a signed team Jersey. Awesome. Uh, on social media. So um, the contest, um, if you're listening to us here live on Sunday, the contest has gone live. It's on our social channels. 
So I'm not going to give you the, I'm not going to tell you everything, but you just got to go to our socials and follow us. You'll see the contest for a chance to win a signed Tampa Bay Lightning uh, hockey jersey by the whole team. So signed by the whole team, even even the beer chugging shirtless cooch signed the jersey. <laughs> so make sure you go check us out on all of our socials at the Duncan Duo. And we'll be back after a quick break here on WFLA News. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo show talking about the Tampa Bay real estate market. The first segment of the show, we really focused on our Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, celebrating their victory, our relationship with the team uh, as the official real estate agents of the Lightning. But uh, going to keep it, you know, back focused on real estate now, 100% for this segment. Talk about the U.S. housing shortage. Taylor Morrison, CEO, came out this week and said that it's going to be years to come. And and so to to put this into perspective, there are a lot of people that have seen this run up on home prices that say, "Oh, we're going to bust, right. right? We're going to bust." It's the same thing as before when it's not. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of data points that are happening right now in real estate, and maybe one of them is comparable to what happened many years ago, and the prices are at a peak. But there's a whole bunch of them that are nowhere near the data points that caused the crash. Because when the crash happened, we had an enormous surplus of homes, people trying to take their equity and move, and builders build overbuilding and building a plentiful number of homes. Because of that, there was this period of time where homes didn't get created. Now home creation's gotten slowed. Construction costs have gone up. It's taking longer. COVID labor problems. All this kind of trickles down into the housing shortage that is going to take years to to recover from. So what does that mean? Um, no crash is coming when there's a shortage. Right. You know, there's the supply and demand. That the demand, you know, is is insane. The supply has to be more plentiful many times over than demand, and it's nowhere near that right now. So so supply has to increase so exponentially to be many multiples of demand. So let, let, let's just use one example. Right now, we've got around two months of inventory. In some neighborhoods, it's one month of inventory, okay? A balanced market is six months, right. okay? We're 600% from a balanced market. To create those number of homes with the labor market that we're in, with the number of people moving here and not moving out, uh, it, it would take a massive, massive change that isn't going to happen for years. So our real estate market in Florida is very safe. There's just such a low supply of homes available and not enough being done to create new homes. More people moving here than we have moving out. Um, and a lot of those people that are moving here have money. You know, they're, they're buying homes. They're buying second homes. They're buying third homes. So... You know, there, it, Taylor Morrison, CEO, is right. This housing, this housing shortage is going to be here for a really long time. Yeah, and if you're out there and you, you've been thinking about, it, and, and frankly, some people have gotten, you know, gotten frustrated with it, or, or you know, getting tired of trying to find something and everything else, and say, hey, you know what, I'm just going to wait till next year. I think prices might come down, or I'm going to wait. It, it, it's just not going to happen. And so you got to keep steadfast with your search, keep going out there with uh, with your agents and maybe you have to expand your search or get out of, you know, looking for the perfect house for you. But, you know, expand your search a little bit. But the reality is, is a year from now, you're going to pay more for that same home than you are today. Right. And I think that, you know, the the other obstacle that people don't realize, you know, when they say, oh, well, the stock market crash could cause real estate to crash. Maybe but it'll just take a few years. Right. Because you've got to work through so much demand where the supply is 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 low and the challenges in the labor and construction and supply costs all these things that just you know are going to continue to to move things in that direction where we're going to have a supply and demand curve for a long time in favor of home sellers 
Um, and even today, I laugh. I mean, we'll, we get, you know, we put homes on the market. And, and look, if you're thinking about selling your home, our goal is to position it for competition. Look, if you want an instant cash offer, we can help you with that. You're probably, no matter who you sell your home to in an instant cash offer, you're going to leave some money on the table for convenience, okay? If that's not the right path for you, if you want to maximize the most amount of money, you know, our strategy is to pit people against each other. So we're regularly getting 30, 40, 50 offers on a house. What does that tell you? There's 30, 40, or 50 people that aren't getting a house. Right. So the so like the the supply and demand curve is so out of whack. Our goal is to position you as a seller to get the most money and pit all these people against each other. You know, get the terms that are best for you, um, get the price that's best for you, get an appraisal waiver. Basically, in some instances, find people. Um, and again, you know, th- this isn't in all price ranges or areas. This this happens sometimes. Get people to pay more than your house is worth. Say and say. I'm willing to pay more than it's right. I'll pay over appraisal. I'll pay you cash over the appraisal difference, you know? So because of these things in the marketplace, it just tells you that this isn't going to, this isn't going to turn around anytime soon. Now, are there parts of the country that don't have that same supply and demand curve? Of course, but in Florida, man, we're going to be in this low inventory, high price increases market, like a high appreciation market for a long time. Yeah, and I think if you're a buyer out there and you're talking about, you know, paying over asking price or overpaying for the property, one of the things you have to look at is what is appreciation levels going to be? And while none of us can really predict what's going to happen in the future, but if you pay 4% over asking price, right, or 4% couple more couple months than down the line, be, you're good. Right. I mean, with, with expected, you know, the forecasted uh, appreciation rates, you're going to make that up within one year, and it makes sense to be able to do so. Way so quicker than look, one year. Way quicker right. than one year. So you, yeah. you got to look at what it's going to be and um, what it's going to be there. And I think that's why you're seeing a lot of that happening. You know, and, and I'm going to touch on this after the break. Mortgage applications sink to their lowest level since before the pandemic hit. Well, this is an article from CNBC, and, and I just want you guys to understand when you see stuff advertised on the mass media, they, they have an agenda. They want to sell you the their their opinion, basically. Right. I mean, I think all news is that today. And look, it doesn't matter if you're right or you're left, whether you're Fox or whether you're CNN. It, they're twisting the news or tweaking the news and the information they release to you in a way that it fits the narrative that they want you to see. So I want to talk about this after a break, and I want to explain to you why it's basically completely irrelevant um, for everything going on in real estate. But the way the title is written could make you think, oh, no, right. there's something bad coming. Well, there's not something bad coming, and we'll touch on that after a quick break here on WFLA News. So we're back here on the Duncan Duo Show. I teased this before the break. Mortgage applications sink to their lowest level since before the pandemic hit. Now, when you read that, you think, oh, oh goodness, here it comes. <laughs> right. This is, Mike, this is the, the turning point, right? This is the turning point. Yep. Bad stuff's going to happen. And oh my goodness, the real estate market is going to crash. Let me explain why this 1.8% number is, is pretty much irrelevant. Uh, put a house on the market last week for 300000 uh, ended up going under contract for substantially more. I can't say until I can't say what the number is until it closes, but went substantially over asking price. Fifty-two offers on the house. If one point eight percent of those fifty-two people are gone, I still got fifty-one people right. that want that house. So even though there are some people deciding, you know what, we're going to not buy because of the market, or we're not going to go out and get approved because of the market. There is such an overabundance of buyers that any drop in mortgage applications is is irrelevant 
completely irrelevant because there's such an overabundant supply of home buyers out there. We don't need home buyers for our real estate market. We need home sellers. Right. And what they won't tell you, too, in there, that's another reason why this is happening is because there's a lot more cash buyers today. Yes. They don't need a mortgage, so they right. don't apply for a mortgage. Right. So that small little trickle down, it's probably because of cash buyers coming of into course. the market t- today of course. as well. So Yeah. So there's a whole lot of reasons, but people look at that and they think, oh, no. Here it comes. This is the start. And here's what I want you to understand about national real estate stats. Okay, they're really not relevant. They're not relevant because you know what the your real estate is local. What's going on in New York or California or Dakota or you know Dakotas or Ohio? Look, it doesn't matter. What matters is what's going on in Tampa. That's what impacts your real estate. Our mortgage applications up or down here. Those are numbers that really matter. When people read this, they fear monger and they get spooked and then they they get they they make bad decisions because of clickbait worthy news articles that are meant to scare you. Look, there's a reason why 97% of what you watch on the news or read on the news is negative because you buy into it and it scares you. Okay. Like they don't put all the sunshine and rainbows unless you're Charlie Belcher. Shout out Charlie. Charlie puts on the good news. Okay. Like he's, he's our guy. He puts out the fun stuff. Right. But, but, but the reality is so much of it is, is bad news. So when you read these articles, you think, oh man, it's going to, the crash is coming. Oh goodness. Here we go. When in reality, if they said, you know what? All this dropping is for every 51 buyers. Now there's only 50 for the house. Right. You know, but there's a way overabundant number of buyers. So, so really, it, it has such a negligible impact when you read articles like this, and it, and it just goes to show you how important it is to to look at you know local data on a smaller scale because national data brings in so many trends that have absolutely nothing to do with what's going to happen for real estate in Tampa Bay. Uh, and I talk about it a lot. You know, I've said it many many times. If you're reading a national news story, except it with a you know grain of salt, number one. And number two, decide whether or not um, you know it applies to your area because a lot of times it doesn't. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it doesn't apply to your area because it just doesn't. You know, so um so the mortgage application sinking uh, to me isn't isn't that much of a um isn't that much of a, a change? In our well, and from the guy at the mortgage company, I can tell you, we, we're not feeling that either. And we're no. not seeing that locally here. I mean, our applications aren't down and, and and we're seeing it going through. And that's, I mean, that, you know, those are, you know, and they report those numbers weekly, right? So, and it comes in and now I know they're going back to the pre-pandemic, but it's, you know, they can be very volatile. And I, I would I would bet to say most of it is because there's just more cash buyers in the marketplace. You know, we've, we've talked about this a few times, but I want to touch on it because I think it's important. Um, you know, record low supply of homes available for sale. And a lot of homeowners deciding, specifically in, in our market in Florida, they're staying put. They're upgrading their house. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. There's a lot of them, however, that, um, you know, specifically if it's an investment property, um, capital gains rates are going to change. Right. You're going to pay more taxes when you sell that house. If you're going to hold on to it for another year or two and think you're going to make more money, you may not because you may give a larger portion of that to Uncle Sam, especially if, you know, some of the tax proposals end up, you know, becoming law that, you know, they've they've just been, you know, discussed and in chambers and, you know, there's nothing that's final. Um, But there's no doubt that. Um, there are changes coming that are going to affect, uh, that are going to drastically affect uh, taxes that people that you pay on real estate capital gains. So smart home sellers, if we start to see a trickle up in homes coming on the market, that does not mean that it's some sort of shift in the market. To see a shift in the market, you've got to see a trend. One month, All right, nothing. One month could be some anomaly. 
two months and eh, three. If you see a trend for three or four months, then you can start to believe, okay, th this is something that's in action that's happening, right? And so when you look at, um, you know, when you look at home sellers, there there are going to be some smart home sellers that are going to start to take their gains. If you're out there, if you're one of them, you should call us, hit up DuncanDuo.com, make sure that you are, you know, looking at all your options. Um, you know, to get your home sold, to take your gain, to, um, you know, to, 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 to move before your potential tax consequences should be worse. Um, and, and I think there will be some smart people that do that, but certainly not enough to move the needle. And, and I saw something that said, oh, listings were up in June or something for the first time in a while. And this is, oh, the, the low market inventory is coming to an end. Right. No, one month does not a market make. Yeah. And like you said earlier in the show, we talked about, I mean, a, a normal market is six months of inventory. We're at, you know, two, one or two, and it keeps bouncing around there. We'd have to have a whole lot of inventory to come back on. And even if a whole lot of inventory came back on, we would be talking about how it's even more of a robust market, not a shift that's there because just more transactions would take place. And it would actually be a healthier market than such low inventory that, that's going to be there. So we're so far away from the other side of it. It's, it's I mean, there's just no statistics that bear anything out. Yeah, no, none at all. And and I think, again, it goes back to, um, you know, you need to see a trend. Right. One month. When I, when I see some of the news organizations come out and say, oh, we have this one month and now it's a change. You know, there could have been some huge development, you know, a couple of big developments. I mean, there's so many things that can change these numbers. And and not only that, but then you've got storms, you've well, got right. changes in seasons, you've got, um, you know, major sporting things that have people's attention. Uh, you have all these things that gather people's attention and, and people forget how emotional buying and selling real estate is. Yes. It is such an emotional process. And, and people think that, you know, they can, they can mirror what's happening. You know, I've had, I've had like wall street analysts try and understand real estate sometimes. And they want to think of it like a stock or like how people act in the stock market. And this is what you're buying to live in. This is right. your home. I mean, the majority of the real estate transactions right. anyway, of course. this is your home and, and it's, it's just different, you know? So trends need to be played out over a period of time before you can believe in making one month doesn't, you know, make, and there's not enough data there to say, Oh, this is the new, you know, I hate to say new normal. Have we not heard that? Right. Yeah. We've heard I, I just that's used out. Right? Oh man. I just hate hearing new normal. It's the new normal or, you know, in unprecedented times, like I'll be really glad when we just don't say those words anymore. Right. So 40 year FHA and VA loans are being discussed. And that is kind of crazy. Like I, I saw an article about it that says that Ginny May, the funding arm between, behind FHA and VA, created a new pool type to secure modified loans with terms up to 40 years. Now, I don't know if that comes to Florida. Um, you know, I know that there are 40-year mortgages available in in like really high-priced areas. Um, but again, you see this this happening, right? Whether it's adjustable rate mortgages, whether it's extending loan periods to make payments lower, people will look at this and say. Here we go again. We're about to do the same thing we did before when we started having all these adjustable rate mortgages and all these creative loan products and the market's going to crash. And and the reality is, is that these institutions, uh, if they're rolling stuff out now, the, the, it gives me a lot of faith because they learned their lessons. They took a beating, um, you know, during the last downturn prices. I mean, every, they took a beating, right? So this time around, they got smarter. They got analysts. They've got massive amounts of investment into data and research and analytics. Um, you know, they 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 have all of these things that tell them increasing from a thirty to forty year mortgage 
will allow them to loan, probably loan more people money at higher prices with lower risk. They'll make more money. And and so they didn't just decide to roll these out just for fun. They, you know, No one does that. They did a ton of research and data to come up with, okay, 40-year mortgages can be successful now. But people will read this and think, here we go again. Right. right. And I think why they're doing it, too, is so that they can open up. You know, we talked earlier in the show about the millennials going right into right. higher prices. So they can have homes. those millennial homes buy the higher prices. They can afford to do it as prices have gone up because there is there's not enough of the inventory that's there. So they're, in a way, creating the ability to be able to qualify and pay for a loan, albeit you're paying for it, you know, 10 years longer, you'll be able to afford a higher priced home and be able to, you know, actually for the first time home buyers, which is what, you know, HUD does, you know, that that's what FHA does, right? Is is there to promote home ownership. Yeah. And a lot of people look at it and say, oh, they're getting, they're going to give everybody a loan again and, and no it's going to make it easier and da, 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 da. And, and so like, uh, you know, I, I can I can say this from hearing it from clients over and over and over again. Getting a loan today wouldn't be described as easy. Now, it doesn't mean it's hard, but it has more complications. You have to prove more than you may have had to in the past. Right. Yeah. If you compare it to back, way back when, I mean, you, everything is documented. You got to document everything through, and it, it's actually created one of the healthiest mortgage environments from a delinquency standpoint and how people actually repay because of all the changes that have been made over the last decade or more now um, to be able to go in there. The pools of loans are, are performing at a very high level and, you know, take COVID out of it and all the forbearance from COVID, the delinquency rates were, were extremely low nationwide, lower than they, they've ever been. Yeah. And, and I think again, so, so what's happening is, is these financial institutions, these investors, banks, they look at all the data to determine what, where are places we can make money and take more risk? What can we do to open the pool up to more people? What can we do to allow millennials to buy the second or third homes and skip the starter home? What, what can we do in California or New York where prices are really high to, to open up home ownership to more people while not taking on too much risk? So that's why you see these loan products. They don't just say, oh, hey, let's just start letting everybody get a loan. Right. You know, it's, there's, these are smart people. They're looking at data and analytics to say, this is a safe loan product. This will allow more people to buy, and we're not going to get bit by it. So um, we're going to wrap the show with our next segment. Um, when we come back on the other side, we're going to talk a little about condos. If you've not been paying attention, we had a condo in South Florida collapse. Uh, tragic. Terrible. Uh, tragic experience. Um, you know, so many lives lost could have been avoided. And obviously, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of crazy litigation and, and stuff for a while. Um, but but after the break, we're going to talk about it because, look, there could be similar. We want to prevent you from doing that. We We know that Surfside could repeat itself in Tampa. There are buildings that we've sold in where I'm like, eh, I don't know about this. Right. You know, there are buildings that have lots of stuff going on. And if you're going to buy a condo, um, we want to give you some tips to make sure that you're looking into some of that stuff to, to best protect yourself. So we'll be back after a quick break here on WFLA News. So buying a condo in Florida probably got a little bit more complicated in the last week. We're back here on the Duncan Duo Show. Andrew Duncan uh, with Mike Corrigan from Cross Country Mortgage. And Mike, condos are always have always been a little bit more complicated to yep. purchase because – you know, you, you have to have an HOA in a certain place, the, the fees, the costs. There's, there's certain unique things about condos that make it more complicated for a home buyer to buy it and close on it, get a loan on it, get a certain type of loan product. Um, so there's there's always there, there are steps in the process, the protection, protection steps, I guess you could say, to, to try and prevent people from being uh, financially harmed by buying a condo. And right. the bank 
for making a bad choice to loan in a particular Correct. condo building. So they're they're doing due diligence to say a condo building's got to have some of these things, okay? Well, sometimes, as likely happened with Surfside, sometimes those little checks and balances don't get all the way to the point of saying this building is not safe, right? Financially, it might be. The HOA may be in good place. Uh, there could be a low number of renters. It could be, I mean, they could have all those boxes checked, but there could be some, some, some construction things. So what can you do? Well, first off, you always want to do a home inspection. Okay. For home sure. inspectors look for things. You want to go with a home inspector that will look at maybe some of the structural stuff with the condo. Um, you also want to look up, you know, uh, the county clerk websites all have the ability for you to look up the name of the association or the condo building and see what kind of litigation is going on, see what kind of construction is going on, see what kind of, see what owners are doing in a community. Trust your instincts. If there's a lot of stuff going on, ask some questions, call the HOA yourself. Don't definitely do not rely on your real estate agent for this. Due diligence is your responsibility as a home buyer. It is not your your real estate agent is a is an advocate, is a conduit for you to get the home that you need, but it is not their responsibility to make decisions for you. It, you need to talk to the inspectors. You know, far too often I see home buyers get upset. Well, my realtor didn't tell me that. There's no response. Your realtor doesn't have that responsibility. Your realtor is a commissioned salesperson that's meant to help you, and they want to help you do your due diligence. But your due diligence is your responsibility and yours alone. So do an inspection. Have somebody look at stuff. Look up stuff on county clerk websites to to find out if there's litigation. Talk to some owners. Do some Google searching, um, and and hopefully you can prevent yourself from from you know buying in a in a building that has this happen. And again, it's tragic. It's sad. Um, you know, people lost their lives. Um, and, and now it's obviously going to be something that's going to, um, you know, be litigious in all, in a lot of condo buildings. Sure, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, it is. And I think that's a great point that the due diligence is your responsibility, um, to go out and doing that research. And like you had said, you know, the, all the county websites in Florida are very user-friendly to go and search for, you know, has there been a lot of litigation against the different laws, you know, condo associations, the HOA, to see what's going on. If there's a pattern there, you know, you may want to second think that. Well, and, and here's the other part that I think comes into play. When you're buying a condo, you're not just, it's not like you're buying a house that you control. You're buying right. into a building that other people control. And those other people oftentimes don't have a clue what they're doing. Right. They have day jobs that have absolutely nothing to do with real estate. Right. They they're not business people sometimes. They just are popular. Maybe they've lived there a long time. I mean, you, you the president of your condo association could be the cat lady that doesn't, you know, that doesn't uh even, you know, work anymore and doesn't pay attention to anything and isn't a construction person and she's making decisions about what should happen with you know, the, the association, what should happen with the building and what should happen with this? And look, I'm not hating on cats. Okay. Maybe I'm a little bit, I just, <laughs> I don't love cats. Okay. I'm just honest. But you know, the reality is that there are, uh, scenarios where you have condo associations are ill prepared to deal with the complications in their building in the construction in their community. And you're buying into that. So do some research on the people that serve you on the condo board. You know, it's no different than, look, if you're moving to a city, you might want to look up the governor and the mayor. You might want to know kind of what the stance, the political stance of the community is before you decide to move there. Similarly, if you're going to move into a condo building, do some research on the people that are on the board, the decisions that they make, the go to a meeting. Um, far too often, people just go into it really naive. 
and and then they buy into a community where the person that's making decisions on behalf of the other owners to protect their equity is making decisions that really kind of fly in the face of the equity of the community and that don't make any sense. So um, it, it's no different. And and it's tragic what happened with Surfside. I know that, I mean, there's all kinds of finger pointing going on about whose fault it was this and that. And there was all this problem. You know, again, lots of issues. My point is, is do your due diligence, trust your gut and make sure it doesn't happen to you. And, and I think the the more that you can, the more proactive you can be about researching, trusting your instincts and trusting your gut, uh, the better off you're going to be. And again, pr- prayers to everyone that, that lost a family member, um, you know, and and it's not always the HOA's fault. Right. You know, sometimes it's construction people's fault. But nonetheless, know that when you buy into a condo community, that is a risk that you're taking because you're buying into a leadership of people that have to interact to get stuff done to protect your investment and frankly to protect your your safety and security yeah and a shout out out there to all the first responders i saw a lot of uh, tampa fire fires down there helping and and the people you know countless hours and efforts trying to with the search and recovery yeah i mean i have a couple i have a couple firefighter friends i play basketball with that that went to to help it's you know it's some good comes out of it to see that heartwarming stuff but obviously a tragedy and uh, and and again no different than other you know natural disasters you have storms right. and you know we obviously had elsa um you know it was basically like a glorified glorified <laughs> sprinkle that we got with a couple of you know cha- a couple of uh, a couple <laughs> of plastic chairs got blown over at my right. house you know but um but but no like you know it, it's it's sometimes they you know you're not prepared for them and and um you know people kind of stick together but blessed and fortunate that elsa didn't do much this week um you know you know it we really are it, it just it kind of stayed a little you know west and we didn't get enough of the damage and and i think we're super happy for that but it probably won't be the last storm right so again get that flood insurance get that flood insurance on make sure you're you're paying attention to that stuff well anyway we're so excited to be home of champa bay all the champion sports teams are here now we hope you have an awesome rest of your sunday and thanks for tuning in tampa bay